As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Shamrock, brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on-demand. Learn more at directtv.com. I'm Pete Sampson, above Notre Dame Stadium. Matt Fortuna at home in Chicago. And, man, there is there's a lot to unpack from Cincinnati 24, Notre Dame 13. Where do you where would you like to start? With which quarterback, Matt? <laughs> well, I'm going to say one, and then we're going to talk about the other. Okay. To honor Brian Kelly at halftime today on NBC. You know, it's interesting, Pete. I mean, I don't – obviously, it's deflating if you're an Notre Dame, if you're an Notre Dame fan. Like, a lot of firsts happen today as far as losing and a lot of um, implications for both sides uh, will happen as a result of this loss. But I just – this was a bill past due. Like, I don't – obviously, the quarterback situation is more pressing and is something that's going to dominate all the oxygen around this program until it's settled, assuming it gets settled. But – I don't know if I come out of this game feeling any different about the flaws of this program than I did the previous four weeks when they were 4-0 but treading water. Like, you just – we both picked them to win, and we both look like idiots, and that's fine because we both picked them to lose against Wisconsin, and they end up winning. And I, I think – I at least made the pact to myself, yeah, I'm not going to pick them to lose until they finally lose, but, like, they're going to lose at some point because they're just far from a complete team right now. Right. And that <clears throat> happened today, and it wasn't – you know, people will point to coaching. People will point to you know a million different things, and I'm not discounting any of those opinions. But Cincinnati's just a better football team, and I don't think they played particularly well today either. I think Cincinnati should have won that game by a lot more than 11 points. They left a lot of points on the board, um, and Notre Dame was just kind of hanging on for dear life at the end and just couldn't really do much. I Yeah, I think that the hardest swallow if you're Notre Dame is Cincinnati is better than you, uh, which is – not something they were favored though. I mean, that's not. But they were but road not like, like this. I, I don't know. I don't think that the point spread drives that point home like today did. There, there was just no getting around the fact that Cincinnati is better than Notre Dame at football right now. Which is, if you're Notre Dame coming off the playoff, is just very difficult to to accept. But that's where they are. Um, you know, Jack Cohn interception was took points off the board for Notre Dame. Tyler Buckner's interception put points on the board basically for Cincinnati. Same with Chris Tyree's lost fumble on the kickoff immediately following. Uh, there was 
Notre Dame played very poorly today. Um, and I would, I sort of agree with Drew White that like Notre Dame beat itself, but like Cincinnati is better than they are right now. Um, you know, Notre Dame didn't need to be perfect to beat Cincinnati, but they were so far from that. And I think today, you know, what did we talk about in the podcast from Soldier Field last week? It was sort of about how the way they figured out how to beat Wisconsin felt like it had some connective tissue to last late year and the last couple of years where mm-hmm. they just were they were a team that would figure out how to do it. Today, the coaching decisions at the quarterback were uh, mistakes across the board. When, how they started, when they changed, how they changed that was not done well. Um, you know, the Kevin Austin drop. Uh, on believe in second down in the second half, the right. Tyree ty fumble that we mentioned, uh, turning a player loose at the goal line for the that touchdown pass. You know they they couldn't get a handle on Alec Pierce, and I frankly I thought up until Ritter heated up that Cam Hart and uh, Clarence Lewis actually played pretty well, but it didn't stay that way. You know even like the touchdown where you know Kyle Hamilton would make that play nine out of ten times. You know he just loses it gets turned around at the wrong time and it's sort of like a stumble in touchdown for Cincinnati. But um, I get if you're Notre Dame, the fact that you're five games into the season and don't know who you are offensively is not a good look for Brian Kelly and offensive coordinator Tommy Reese right now. They, they just have so much to figure out and you wonder like, okay, what were the last five games? Like what got accomplished um, offensively? It, the defense clearly has improved. The offense has regressed in a major, major way. It has, but they've also like, – Cincinnati was so much better than any team they've played this year that it just was inevitable. I mean, look at Wisconsin today against Michigan. Same thing. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and Graham Mertz gets hurt. Florida State finally just won, but Purdue lost at home to not a very good Minnesota team that was missing its best playmaker in Dalen Wright. So, yeah, I just think this was inevitable. I mean, did it take a step back? I mean, it certainly didn't take a step forward. And now that we've opened the discussion, Notre Dame has opened the discussion for all of us to talk about quarterbacks from here on out, then yes, that qualifies as a step back. But 84 rushing yards, only getting sacked twice. You look at that on the on paper compared to the previous four games and you think, all right, maybe they took steps in the right direction here. But I just, no. it, it was hard to see how they did that. Um, I get why Drew White said what he said. Like, uh, you want to always look inward and look in the mirror first. I get it. But, like, yeah, Notre Dame didn't play its best game, but it, it didn't matter. I mean, Cincinnati, I don't think, played its best game either. And they went in there and really from start to finish looked like the better team. And I, I get it's a tough pill to swallow if you're a Notre Dame fan because it's Cincinnati. If this Cincinnati team does not make the playoff, no group of five team will ever make the playoff because they've Correct. got everything going for it. And, you know, it depends how the rest <clears throat> of the season shakes out for Notre Dame. But, you know, you lose to a playoff Cincinnati team. That's not the worst thing in the world. The last home gloss they had was to a Georgia team that made the playoff and should have won it all. Yeah, and that's like Notre Dame was not going 12-0 and this year. So right. logically, they were going to lose at some point. That some point was today. You can live with that. Like Notre Dame is not going 12-0 and by divine right. However, I think how they have arrived at this point is alarming if you're Notre mm-hmm. Dame because – you're no closer to having a cohesive offense today than you were at in Tallahassee on Labor Day weekend. In fact, you're probably farther away from that because back then you felt like Jack Cohn, mm-hmm. we're a deep shot pass team. We can run the ball a little bit. We got some protection problems, but this is who we are. 
Now you're sitting there wondering, should Jack Cohn start moving forward? I, I couldn't make an argument for that anymore. Um, you know, it, to me, not that Drew Pine lit the world on fire, but there, Jack Cohn cannot throw that interception at the end mm-hmm. of the first drive. If ty- that's an interception Tyler Buckner could throw. Um, a guy who has started as many games as Cohn has started. I think we're at, what, 23 at this point? Well, uh, Buckner did make that throw on his interception, too. Right. Very I mean, but, like, but, just but different my part point is, field. like, you, if you're a coach, you roll the dice with, you know that can happen with Buckner. Mm-hmm. That cannot happen with Cohn. That's, it just is, it's inexcusable for a fifth-year senior to make that kind of a play. So it's... Um, I mean, all right. So, who who do you start at Virginia Tech? Who's your starting quarterback, man? I'm I don't feel as strongly about one over the other so much as you just need to pick a guy and stick with him for the sake of stability. Because we've seen at Notre Dame in particular what can happen when no one really knows who's leading that offense and how it just kind of falls apart. Um, obviously, that was a terrible pick by Jack Cohn. That if Notre Dame played better, obviously would have I wouldn't say change the outcome of the game, but certainly change the complexion of the game because. Notre Dame's opening drives for the most part of the season have looked pretty darn good. Um, and that was probably their best drive until the finish that they had today until the, the, the last touchdown drive that went uh, with a deep pass to Braden Lindsay. I, I, I was not blown away by Drew Pine by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, he didn't play bad. And I get why I get why the fans fell in love with him because you're always going to fall in love with the backup quarterback when the starter's struggling. Uh, I get why they booed when Tyler Buckner came in because – it looked like Notre Dame's offense had generated a bit of momentum and they wanted to keep that momentum going. Um, and I get why they put him in. I mean, you know, we reference this to the top of the show, but Catherine Tabin does her halftime sideline report. She says, I asked Brian Kelly, are you going to sit Jack Cohn? And he said, no. And Drew Brees, I wouldn't say out of character, but, you know, for a home team analyst, NBC analyst, like he was like, I disagree with that. Like immediately jumps in. And sure enough, um, in true Brian Kelly fashion, what he said did not happen. Um, the opposite happened, and Drew Pine went out there. And then you asked Drew Pine essentially the timeline of that, and he said, I found out essentially when we got to the field after halftime, which is me and you were texting, leaves you to wonder, like, well, if you're making a quarterback switch at halftime, shouldn't you be spending the majority of the halftime period preparing that individual to lead this offense. And I don't, I'm not in the locker room at halftime. I don't know how they meet. I don't know how those discussions go, but certainly there are things that each one of those guys can do that the other can't. And there are different um, facets of the offense that you need to tailor to him. So I, I, I don't know. I was not, I mean, I don't look at Drew Pine today and think, well, there's, there's the answer. Um, I also don't pull the plug on everything right now just because you lost the game and say, all right, Tyler Buckner's the future because I think you risk losing a, a lot programmatically if you're basically oh, yeah. telling the seniors to get lost five games in. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I do you pull the plug on Jack Cohn right now? What do you risk doing in that? The, the inverse of that is he's looking over his shoulder from here on out if he is a starter. And that's also Which, not a healthy I mean, place to be. But that's where that's he's already there. Like that's there's there's no avoiding that, you know. Um, right. And I think the same thing would be true of Pine because you're rotating in Buckner. I just today felt like a a massive mismanagement of the quarterback position by Brian Kelly and and Tommy Reese. You cannot put Pine in the game and 
not use halftime to get him ready. That that right. makes no sense to me. Um, the package that they're running with Tyler Buckner is not working. Um, it he cannot throw it. He is not comfortable throwing it. Um, and if he is essentially as one dimensional as Jack Cohn, just the other dimension. That's you can't live that way. Um, you know that's that's a package you can trot out against Toledo. Um, you can't do that against Cincinnati in the first half of a tight game. Um, you know, putting him in for one play in the second half made no sense either. So it, um, I don't look, I'm not saying Drew Pine is the second coming of Ian book. Um, and he's going to go on this tear here. Like he didn't show that today, but he is the only two dimensional quarterback on your roster right now. So I think that you have to roll with that because we've seen where being one dimensional at quarterback gets you in college football, 2021. I think you do that if you commit to it. I mean, I don't know what the practice breakdown was like this week. Last week when Buckner was not a part of the equation, it was 60-40, cone to, uh, cone to Buckner. Or excuse me, cone to Pine. Right. And, and Kelly said 50-50 this week. Did you say 50? Okay. Well, I mean, I'm fine with Pine if you're going all in on him. Like, I just – I didn't think he looked all that great today. I mean, the offense moved a little bit better, but that was a low bar to clear. Um, there was more urgency, and there were a lot of communication issues on routes that where it just looked like no one was on the same page. Um, the fourth down play in his first drive in the third quarter that that ended it. Um, you know, a couple, I mean, you know, the the Austin drops not his fault, but right. I'm fine going to Pine. Just need to commit to it. I, I, I just don't think this is a healthy situation for anybody if you're rotating in and out all the time. No, it's not. Um... I do think that you're going to sort of be spackling over the cracks of this this team this year for the rest of the way. So it's the ideal, I think, was thrown out officially today. Like the whole like, well, that's not ideal line of thinking. Like, no crap. Uh, like, it's not ideal when you have an offense that can't run the ball. Um, you know, they had 341 yards total offense today. Um it's not, you know, Kyron Williams, you're, wa- you're wasting an All-American back at 13 carries for 45 yards. Uh, that's, you know, and Chris Tyree, even less than that, five carries, 20 yards. Like, that's, it's not a good situation. It's not ideal when you have to play four left tackles. It's not ideal when you're rotating guards. Um, none of that is ideal, but that's just sort of where Notre Dame is right now. I don't know how they get, I don't know how they get right on this. I think you know, it's the thing about identity. We talk about this all the time, right? Like, we ask teams get to say when their identities, what 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 they are, when they win. Notre Dame's identity is just like cobbled it together with duct tape and chewing gum right now, offensively. Like, it's it's an all hands operation. It's not ideal, but that's what the identity of this offense is. That's it's not a good thing, but it's difficult for me to see how this offense is going to pull itself out of this hole. Certainly by next week, the bye week before USC, we'll see. They're, they're going to have to do some pretty heavy lifting over the next three weeks. I think you try to, you try to get through Virginia Tech by all mean, any means necessary. And then I think I would agree with you about like just commit to something and go with it um, when you have a chance to sort of like stress test it and practice for two weeks. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. 
You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. But if you saw my mouth drop, uh, Stanford just got an untimed touchdown to send it to overtime against Oregon on the last play of the game. So the number three ducks are on the ropes as well, and that's good for Cincinnati. You know, since Virginia Tech's too good of a defense, though, to still kind of experiment against. I know you can't just reinvent the wheel with six days of preparation before a pretty intense road environment. Uh, but I also don't know if that's a game that you can just get through. Um, I don't know if any of them are, really. Even Navy won today, which is crazy because they hadn't won a game all year. Um, it, it's it's in a tough spot because even when they were winning, there was still a sense of, all right, they know the offense line stinks. They're just going to have to scheme around that, even though that will probably and inevitably catch up to them. And now that they have a loss to show for that and they have basically regressed quarterback play, how do you... I don't want to say reinvent yourselves, but how do you improve in season without that identity? I don't know. I mean, this is it's Notre Dame football. You don't use a season to say, like, all right, let's get through this week to week, try to win, try to win, try to win. And then next year when we've got a great roster coming back, we're going to we're gonna really let loose. No, like, it's year 12 of the Brian Kelly era. You don't get to say that. Um, yep. It's also year, what, four of the Jeff Quinn era, at least as an offensive line coach? Yes. And two of those years have not been good at all. Um, That's yeah. They're in an alarming situation with their offensive line right now, Um, and that I don't see how that is going to change from through during the season. Um, You know, you're playing your fourth string left tackle at the end of the game against Cincinnati. That's not that is not good. Notre Dame should. I hesitate to say like Notre Dame should never be in that position, but like Notre Dame should never be in that position. It's it's but Notre Dame the Notre Dame offensive line room should not allow for a four string left tackle to be in the in a top ten game in the fourth quarter when you're trying. But they're to come all back to highly ranked guys. It's not like these are guys yeah. off the street. So even if they shouldn't be in that position, these guys should be playing better at least based on their pedigree, and they're not. And I don't know if that's. Each individual's fault. I don't know if that's the coaching's fault. Um, I mean, without knowing all the finer details, like go hire Chris Watt next year from Tulane. Like bring him back. And I mean, he did good enough as a GA with you guys in his first year ever coaching football at any level that he got hired as a AAC full-time position coach. Um, and he obviously knows the, the place and knows the language and can recruit to the place. I bring him back if you can. I don't know. I mean, it's no. I'm not breaking any news here. Harry Heastay, I don't know if he's still in town, but like those guys on those good units would break off and go meet him in town for for pointers um, <laughs> after practice or, or even in season. Like that guy still had a, a very strong influence on that program. I'm not sure if he still does now, but clearly whatever is going on there right now. I mean, I just you watch that unit play every week, and I mean, me and you follow this team closely enough where we're resigned to the point. But it's still crazy to take a step back and think like, yeah, the line sucks. Like, 
how are they going to get through that today? Like that, that just still doesn't compute for me. And I yeah. don't know what the, what the answer do, is there. I mean, I do think that like Reese in the first four games had done a good job of like game planning and play calling around poor offensive <clears> line play, <throat> essentially like accepting that L and then like, all right, how do we work with this today? I don't, I didn't feel like he had that same sort of like command of like, okay, this is how we're going to work around it today. It didn't, this didn't feel like a lot of stuff was open. Like, did they do some creative stuff today? Yes. But, um, you know, maybe some of that speaks to Cincinnati having corners that just, there was, the boundary didn't exist. Like, if you were if Notre Dame quarterback today, whoever you were, wherever Sauce Gardner was, you were not throwing it that way because uh, nobody was open. Uh, I think the only time they actually, one of the few times they hit the boundary, they actually put Michael Mayer over there. And I think he sort of got open a little bit behind. But it was, uh, I, I don't know, it just sort of felt like a, Notre Dame sort of got a little bit of, they got smacked in the mouth and didn't handle it very well. Um, and I'll, I think that that's something that Notre Dame had done a very good job of over the last few years. Like, they could take a punch and then throw one back. I don't. They didn't take punches very well today, um, you know, and that was that was a little bit surprising to me. It's interesting to hear it framed that way, and I don't disagree with you. But like now, as I'm jogging my memory, um, even that you know, their biggest win last year and their biggest win of the Brian Kelly era, that first Clemson game, they got off to a really really good start in that game and yeah. were able to assert control and then withstand late punches because they had the confidence from earlier in the game that they could win that game. As far as taking a – I mean, nine times out of ten, they're the bigger, tougher, more physical team of the two on the field. And, I mean, I don't know. I mean, when's the last time they – when's the last time they were punched? I would say Michigan, 2019, and they didn't respond well at all. Um, like well, Alabama I mean, Clemson, they just – they got beat. But that's not yeah. not taking a punch. That's just getting your ass kicked by a better team. Like Michigan yeah. in 2019, I don't think, was a better team than Notre Dame. They just beat them up pretty good. Um, early on, at least, the defense was good enough and better than good enough to win this game. I mean, Cincinnati's I totally first first three drives were three punts, 14 plays, 33 yards. They got 10 points off 20 combined yards because of two turnovers, one from the offense, one from the special teams. And that 10-0 hole with the way that offense was playing, Notre Dame's offense, felt almost insurmountable. Even 17-0, it was like... Like you, you, you're as someone who follows a program, you're like, all right, what kind of juju or mojo can they tap into that they were able to do in the fourth quarter last week? Because they're certainly not going to out scheme or just outplay a team that just thoroughly outplayed them these thirty minutes. Like, is Drew Pine going to come in as a starting quarterback in the third quarter and be the second coming of Ian Buck? Probably not. But that's pretty much the only scenario I was able to think of in my mind where like, all right, Notre Dame's going to be a different team in the second half. And they yeah. were better. Um, and defensively they <clears throat> did all right, but it was still, it, I don't, it just, I don't know. I thought after, after the Florida state game, we both spent a lot of time talking about the defensive shortcomings, the offensive line shortcomings. You were pretty convinced the defense would figure it out sooner rather than later. I was pretty convinced the offensive line would point to you clearly. Um, <laughs> Cause I mean, that's, <laughs> Before that last drive in the second, that last touchdown drive in the second quarter, Cincinnati had 25 offensive plays for 70 total yards, 2.8 yards per play. Like that's you're playing a top 10 team who you're an underdog with, 
that's good enough to win with even mild to okay offensive play. And mm-hmm. they weren't they couldn't even muster that much, at least in the first half. And that's troublesome if you're Notre Dame. Um, and then even um, in the second half, like Cincinnati left the door open so many times. They missed two gimme field goals. Or Chris Vanini had a great stat. They got in, Cincinnati got inside Notre Dame's 25-yard line three times over four possessions and got zero points out of those four possessions. Like, Cincinnati did not play that great of a game. And they still won this game by double digits. And I, I don't know what your takeaway from that is if you're a Notre Dame fan. Again, I think Cincinnati is a good football team and a good football program. But that that's a sobering reality, I think. And it, it's something we haven't said after a non-Clemson or Alabama game around these parts in a long time. No, I mean, when's the last time Notre Dame lost a game like this? Like, this wasn't like... It, remi- it, re- it reminded me of Oklahoma 2013. Mm. That might be a good one. And I say that because be that was a... They were 3-1 and one coming in. They barely beat Purdue on the road. Or maybe they're 2-1. They're 3-1, and one, I think, coming in. They barely beat Purdue on the road. They Oh, you know what? They beat Rose Bowl winner Michigan State. Thanks to like eight gazillion pass interference penalties um, and terrible play calling for Michigan State. And then that Oklahoma team, which was kind of so-so, obviously talented, jumped out to a 14-0 lead on like two pick sixes or something. And it was just like, all right, like these mistakes, you can't make these mistakes against Oklahoma. You just can't. Yeah, it was, I mean, I remember distinctly Zach Martin got beat for like a, a pick six kind of situation. Like Zach Martin never got beat on anything right. ever. Um, you know, the same way like Kyle Hamilton doesn't give up that pass play ever. But yeah, I think that might be a good parallel to like what kind of loss. Because it, even though that was the second loss of the season, I believe, which eliminated yeah, Michigan, that, Michigan, yeah. that eliminated you from any kind of remote possibility of making uh, the BCS National Championship game. I feel like today's one loss eliminates Notre Dame from any remote possibility of making the college football playoff. Like, there's nobody ranked left on the schedule. Um, maybe you could have some teams creep into like the 24th, 23rd range, but I just don't think there's enough meat on the bone for Notre Dame. Never mind the fact that like they have a million things to get right, um, mm-hmm. and that's more important than like making the playoff. But like this, this feels like an eliminator, similarly to that Oklahoma game did in 2013. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird enough year where I think it's too early to say, like, oh, 11-1 won't get in, We're independent of what your schedule is, which doesn't look all that challenging right now if you're Notre Dame. Um, and I think it's a weird enough year where, yeah, the Cincinnati, a group of five that started the season in the top ten, made the Peach Bowl last year, and now has two double-digit road Power 5 victories, could get in. Like, if they don't get in, again, no one from the group of five ever will. Um so it, it, it's lined up for that season so far. Every playoff team from last year now, other than Alabama, has lost a game. And in Clemson's case, has lost two games. Oregon, number three in the country, might lose now. They're losing in overtime. So it, it's a more chaotic year than I can remember since 2007, nationally speaking. Um, that could work in Notre Dame's favor, but like that's not <laughs> you can't, if you're Notre Dame right now. You've got so much other stuff to figure out right now, aside from how can we play our way back into a playoff picture um, it's it's uh, what seven games left, right? Yeah, they're seven one game seasons left. The same way I thought coming in, there were eight one game seasons left. Like there's just it's way too flawed a football team, but it's still talented and well coached enough to make you believe that to convince yourself every week that they can win the games they're playing. Um, but I, I mean, <laughs> by the way, a hat tip to Michael Bayer, who's been playing apparently on a groin injury 
all Since season. camp, yeah. And clearly it was hobbled. Like, Drew Brees kept saying, like, he shouldn't be out there. Only for third downs. Only for this. Only for that. And then um, was very, like, uh, terse or salty. I don't know what your adjective Kurt. of choice is for for post game, but like I loved it. Like he's your yeah, best player. Too. He's more pissed off than anybody. That's the way it should be. Yeah, um, don't he basically don't said to put, we're polish it up. Like just, yeah, he's pissed. That was he great. Basically said we're we're still searching for our identity. Um, yeah. He got asked about the mood of the locker room. He's like, I don't know. We just lost. Probably not good. Like yeah. that's a great. Like, that's the stuff I love. I mean, that's what's yeah. like in the NFL when you go in there and and talk to these guys. And he's going to be there very soon. So um, hats off to him for gutting it out really the whole season it sounds like and, and for um staying up there and giving us great answers um but yeah i mean it's, it's just a weird game a weird season you by the way you retweeted a a uh we like we've gone this far without talking about all the familiarity between the two programs you retweeted a cincinnati football tweet that i'm not right, really sure whether they were trolling brian kelly or not but then i saw what they tweeted uh, before no, that they, and you think they were Oh, yeah, because it was something Brian Kelly said on Monday when he was asked about playing Cincinnati in reference Central Michigan coming in here and like, hey, it's a great opportunity, yada, yada. I don't know what he said exactly, but I believe that's what in, that was in reference to about you really ha- you had to do cartwheels to take offense to it. But credit to Cincinnati's gymnastics team because they <laughs> did cartwheels to take offense to it. Um, but, yeah, that's I think that they they were trying to take it as like. As if Notre Dame said, we're doing you a favor by letting you come here. I believe they're doing them 1.2 million favors by letting them come here uh, as a buy game. But like it, I that one was like, all right, you're trying a little bit too hard. The second one, which yes. I have not watched yet, I will let you explain. Oh, you haven't watched? Okay. okay. It's just different. Uh, well, to your first one, it probably was sarcastic because everything on Twitter is sarcastic. Uh, Notre Dame did do Cincinnati a favor, though. Notre Dame doesn't have to play this game. And Cincinnati's not sniffing the playoff or even the playoff discussion without a game like this. Um, and take a about Notre Dame. Anywhere you've coached before or after, Notre Dame does a great job of finding a place for you on the schedule, whether it was Miami of Ohio with Chuck Martin, Nevada when Brian Pulling was there. Um, yeah, there are others that are escaping my mind. Almost like, Bob like, Diaco at Purdue. UMass, Charlie Molinar. Like, yes. If you've been there... And you go elsewhere, you're getting a game on the schedule. And so Notre Dame got Cincinnati on the schedule, which I think was great. It was a great game for college football, like uh, independent of being a Notre Dame fan and, and watching them lose today. Like, that was a great scene. That was the it pumped up all week. is the biggest game in Cincinnati history. Um, and even Luke Fickle, to Catherine Tappen game, said, like, look, Brian Kelly built this program. We're just trying to maintain it and try to grow it. Um, you know, he was nothing but class, at least on the field after the game. But the, the, the other tweet that I had seen um, from this was, I think from Cincinnati's main athletics account was just different um, interspersed clips of Brian Kelly saying like, great game, great opportunity. Our guys came to play today. Cincinnati's a place to be come to Cincinnati. And there's all this different stuff cut out from um, all his press conferences while at Cincinnati. Almost like um, they had prepared for it. It had everything short of like, Jack Cohn will be our starting quarterback. Here's Drew Pine, which considering he played five different quarterbacks in 28, 2008 when they made the Orange Bowl, uh, I'm sure he was uh, less than forthcoming with a lot of his quarterback choices publicly while he was the head coach at, at Cincinnati 13 years ago as well. But, it definitely uh, – yeah, that was a bit – I mean, look, 
when you win games, you get to do that stuff. And like, I'm <laughs> sure the Cincinnati fan base, like, I don't think the the players out there like gave a crap at all about Brian Kelly on Cincinnati sidelines. No. The fans, and there were a lot of them here, they definitely cared. I mean, that was there was some bloodlust uh, for Brian Kelly from the Cincinnati fan base, which I don't totally understand, but it is what it is. Like, if you want to be offended, you can be offended. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I get it. I mean, whether it's manufactured, whether it's genuine, I get it. That's what makes sports great. Like, he was, like, Cincinnati, like, until recently when they got into the Big 12, like, you're always going to have this complex of, all right, Mark D'Antonio left us for Michigan State, Brian Kelly for Notre Dame, Butch Jones for Tennessee. Uh, I get it. Like, and like until, again, because they were a group of five program until a few weeks ago, um, you know, there's that same kind of anxiety with Luke Fickle. And you don't get opportunities like this on a national stage against a top 10 Notre Dame team on the road. You just don't. So, um, you know, to build it up as the biggest game in program history, I've never been to Cincinnati. I don't want to speak for that program. I'd be curious once the emotions of today die down, how they feel comparing this one to Brian Kelly beating Pittsburgh to go undefeated and get them into the Sugar Bowl. And for a moment thinking they were going to get into the national championship game that night before Texas beat Nebraska in 2009. Uh, But I I get why there was bad blood. I I get it. I get it. Like that's, you don't get opportunities like this if you're Cincinnati, or at least you didn't in the AAC. Um, you will in the future in the Big 12. But uh, NBC spent a lot more time talking about uh, Patriots getting revenge against Tom Brady tomorrow night on their networks than they did um, than they did Brian Kelly in Cincinnati. Although uh, with Connecticut boy Drew Pine almost saving the day today, it was a great uh, great weekend for the folks in Stanford with, with everything going on um, with Cleveland tomorrow night and uh, Pine today. Yeah, I mean. I was before we wrap up. I mean, was there anything other? I sort of hit everything. I I don't know if we need to spend any time on learning special teams because obviously that was a, a struggle of epic proportions today. But um, I just I'll be very interested to sort of see what Notre Dame comes out against Virginia Tech. It's pretty easy to imagine Notre Dame coming out incredibly tight, overwhelmed, stressed. Um, I can also imagine a scenario where Notre Dame plays a little bit more like, screw it, we got nothing to lose anymore. Um, so the, I, I'm very interested to sort of see where the season goes from here because the idea of Notre Dame having back-to-back losses, being then officially, officially being out of the playoff chase before the bye week would be a pretty hard pill to swallow. Um, but I could, I could see this team coming out in Blacksburg and like actually letting it rip opposed to playing the way that they have played so much of the season. That's kind of how I feel. I mean, outside of the end of 2014 and all of 2016, um, I feel like they've done a good job not letting one loss turn into two. Like 2013, not to harp on that year, but I remember after that Oklahoma loss, um, there's controversy over whether they sing the alma mater over losses, whether Tommy Reese should be starter. 
And they go into Dallas to play what was a really talented ASU team, yep. if not a great one. And I thought, like, man, they're going to get got this week. Like, this program doesn't look like they're in a great place. They're playing a team on a fast track in a neutral environment that's talented enough to beat them. And they came out and um, they won. They played pretty good. Same thing when they lost to Pittsburgh later that year. They came out and beat, I think, BYU or Navy um, at home the following week. And, uh, you know, it's funny to talk about Virginia Tech. I mean, they played them after a loss in 2019. Um, There's your parallel. It was at home after Michigan. And there was a lot more going on, I think, internally, as we found out after the fact with Chip Long leaving. Um, uh, But I also think it's good to get home and it's good to get in front of – um, like you're, you're going to naturally get juiced up on the road, night prime time, understand me. You right. know what I mean? Like, there's just not, you don't need to manufacture it. Like, that game had Ian Book silencing his own fans, which was, I was actually thinking about today when Desmond Ritter did the exact same thing to the exact same, exact same end zone. Um, when he scored the game deciding touchdown, game clinching touchdown today. But I, I, I tend to think, at least on Saturday, they're going to come out and let it rip. Whether that results in a win or loss, I'm not ready to say just yet. But definitely Monday through Friday, you need to pick a quarterback and just go all in on him. Um, and I would venture to guess that's Drew Pine. But uh, we're our batting average of predicting Brian Kelly with quarterback stuff is a fool's not, errand. Not very good. If there ever was one, yeah, there's. It is impossible to get inside Brian Kelly's head with that kind of thing. As Catherine Tappan found out at yeah, halftime. Today. No matter what he says this week, we're going to find out on the ACC network. At That's like I, I jokingly asked him the same Drew Pine question Thursday and today. And I even said, like, I know I asked you this Thursday, I'm going to ask you it again. But, like, you sort of just got to keep checking in on him with the quarterback stuff because he, he changes his opinion pretty regularly, very volatilely, and without any seemingly reason to the outside. It's It's hard to know, like, all right, why did you do that again? It's that it's a hard position to sort of read Brian Kelly's temperature, um, and I think that may be the case moving forward for quite a while with this team. Well, and injuries are the same way. I mean, he wouldn't yeah. talk about. I mean, he's always been this way with injuries, and I'm not saying you need to like volunteer information. But if you're asked if if uh, Kurt Heinisch is going to play, and you say, "Well, everyone's banged up. It's practice. It's football." And then he misses two games. But before he misses the second game, you say he's going to be back next week from a concussion. I don't know how you diagnose that, but I'm not a doctor or a football coach. Hopefully, Kurt Heinrich is back next week. Uh, the pregame speech he had on NBC got basically muted out due to technical difficulties. You just saw him talking and didn't hear him. Uh, but Drew Brees immediately afterwards said, I've never gone into a game where I feel like all three quarterbacks are going to play. And sure enough, Drew Brees... Proved to be quite prescient, um, and who knows? Maybe we'll still be doing the same song and dance a week from now. Although for Notre Dame's sake, I certainly hope not. Yeah, likewise. It's it 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 could be a exhausting second half of the season, um, and it may that may be the case. However, like you said, like they ha- they have to make a decision on their identity because right now it's sort of indecision is their identity, and that's you can't live that way the rest of the season. That's not going to get you to. 11 and 1, it's not going to get you 10 and 2. It might not even get you to 9 and 3. So at some point, they just they have to pick something to go with it. I, I don't know if it's going to happen next week, but by the time USC shows up here, the next podcast we do from this press box, like Notre Dame needs to have his quarterback position figured out. It It's going to be exciting, and it could still end like. 
it could still end with ten and two in the Fiesta Bowl. It oh absolutely yeah absolutely. There's um if the Wisconsin game did inform you of anything, it's like Notre Dame has a lot of good players: Austin, Mayer, Tyree, Williams, Hamilton, Foskey, Bertrand, White. I mean Jason Adamilola. You know, Batello's coming out. They have a lot of pieces to build something. It just they're it feels like they are behind in that construction process even more than Brian Kelly would have anticipated. Um and that is that's kind of an alarming place to be because that that's a coaching problem to solve. Um this isn't if they were stuck with Tyler Buckner as a freshman quarterback and they had no other choices, that would be a that would be a, a player development problem to solve. Like this is a this is on the coaching staff to figure out what do we want to be, choose it, let's go, make an evaluation. And they've they've sort of as as the saying goes, like to not decide is to decide. And I think that's the decision that Notre Dame's offense is in right now. They've they've decided to not make a decision. And you're seeing the results of that. So they, they have to decide on something, be proactive about it and move forward, because otherwise I think Notre Dame's gonna be sort of listing through this for for the time being, um, you know, through next weekend, but it can't be can't be the case on the other side of the bye. So, we will be back next week. I think that we might have our colleague Andy Bitter on the show. He covers yep. Virginia Tech for us at the Athletic, uh, and then certainly we'll be back next week, recording at one thirty a.m. after either in Lane Stadium or after I drive back to Princeton, West Virginia. Um, it'll be a Florida How State. How far is side. that? That's another state. So it's I assume a it's solid far. hour um, okay. uh, out of out of Blacksburg. So no, look, Notre Dame has a lot to get figured out between now and then. Uh, we will have a lot of stories and analysis on it, on the athletic. So stay with us. Uh, so until next week, he's Matt. I'm Pete. Thanks for being with us on the latest episode of the Shamrock.